0: When you think about the best Christmas ever, what comes to mind? Are you thinking that this year will be the best Christmas ever? Or not? Maybe for some it is, and for others you're saying, no, this is going to be a tough one. Maybe the situation economically is not so great for you, or something's going on with your family and you're questioning, is this really going to be the best Christmas ever? What comes to mind for you? I know for for myself there are a couple of things that that come to mind when I think of some of the best Christmas ever. There was that one when I was probably about 10 or 11 and my parents got me a new bicycle for Christmas. And it wasn't so much that it was a new bicycle, but the fact that I knew that year was a year my parents were really struggling financially. And that somehow they found the way to to get that bike for me. And and I remember how excited and yet how touched I was by my parents' love. But as I thought about all the the different uh, Christmases and which one was the best ever, strangely one came to mind was the year that our son uh, was in the the hospital in, in Iowa City. He was in the hospital from before Thanksgiving until the afternoon of Christmas Day. And that was really... A Christmas where all the the other stuff that we often associate with Christmas didn't mean that much. But the fact that I knew that that God loved me and loved our family and loved my son so much that he would send his son so that no matter what happened, that he'd be okay. That was the best Christmas ever. To make this the best Christmas ever, we need to, to, to... receive the gift of God himself. And and so we have to ask ourselves, is this going to be the Christmas where we let God show up in our life? Are we going to to fully unwrap the gift of Jesus? Or are we not? We heard from the prophet Isaiah an an amazing prophecy, in words that I think maybe many of you have heard, but it's from Isaiah chapter 9, but in there, we hear this wonderful word, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government is going to be upon his shoulder. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. And throughout today and the coming weeks, we're going to unpack some of those things that it means. There are things we'll be looking at. But today we want to focus on what does it mean that Jesus was born to be our wonderful counselor? Have you ever thought about that? Is Jesus your wonderful counselor? There is all sorts of advice out there, isn't there? (laughs) Sometimes uh, more advice than we need. Uh, There's lots of advice about what we should be buying. I've heard at least... Five different things that I can buy that is guaranteed to make me and my family happy this Christmas. Wow, great advice, huh? Uh, you know, there, there's all sorts of advice out out there. Uh, you can watch Dr. Phil. You can read all, all sorts of books. But I wonder how many of us really think about that Jesus is the one who wants to. to us to come to him and let him be our wonderful counselor. Now I've done a little bit of counseling over the years and it's interesting to me what I've experienced about people coming for counseling. There are basically three kinds of uh, groups that they come uh, for counseling. There are the desperate. Something is blowing up in their life and they're desperate and they're ready to, to come and pour out their guts and, and share with me how their life is a mess. And then there are those who come because basically they want me to agree with them about their plan to change someone else in their life. <laughs> yeah, it is true. They've got this amazing plan. If only someone else in their life would change, they'd be happy. But this plan for change has nothing to do with them changing anything within themselves. So that's the second group that come. And then there's a a small percentage who come because they're wise, because they realize that they don't have all the answers themselves, and they're looking for some way to to approach the problem in their life in a different way, and they're ready uh, to make some, some changes. My guess is that that God kind of deals with the same situation when it comes to us being his wonderful counselor. There's a lot of people that come to God when they're desperate, right? Even on the soap operas, they get religion. You know, there's some crisis and it usually repeats about every week. Somebody gets into a crisis. Oh God, please don't let Susie die. And, of course, next week it's George is going to die. You know, but the, it's amazing how they get religion at that time and, and cry out to God. But that's, we're wired in our human nature, I think, uh, that when we're desperate we, we somehow feel the need to cry out to God. And then there's that part of uh, us that we really do kind of go to God for counsel, but we really want to give God our own advice. We come to God and say, God, I've got this problem, and I think you should agree with me, and if you would only change my husband or my wife, my life would be wonderful. And yet there there are those who, they really seek God's wisdom. In the book of James chapter 1, it says if any of you are lacking wisdom, you should ask for it, and God will give it generously. My challenge is, this Christmas, are we going to let Jesus be our wonderful counselor? Are we going to be wise, and and if we're lacking wisdom, are we going to go to him and ask him for that wisdom? Now, one of the things that that, uh, is good about a counselor, if they're going to be a good counselor, they should be a good listener, right? You like a counselor who's going to be a good listener. If, If your counselor's not listening to you, you probably need to find another counselor. How many of you would agree that God hears our prayers? Raise your hand if you agree God hears our prayers. Ah, okay, pretty high percentage. How many of you believe that God answers your prayers? Not quite as many, but quite a few. Now, I'm gonna challenge you on this. I think that that oftentimes we believe God answers our prayer after the obvious answer is right there in front of our face. But do we believe God answers our prayer before he gives us the solution to our problems? I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of Luke where we we see, uh, again, uh, an example of God answering prayers. In the the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter, we have that Gospel account beginning with Luke sharing with us how John the Baptist, who was was born to be the preparer of the way for Jesus, the forerunner of Jesus, how he was born. And in Luke chapter 1, it talks about how the birth of John the Baptist was foretold. John the Baptist's dad was, was a priest, and it was at his time here to, to be able to serve in the temple. Uh, and, and, there, and so uh, Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, is there in the temple, and he's helping out and serving. And if we get to uh, the uh, 11th verse there, it says as he was uh, doing that, he was out in the, uh, the temple serving, and the people were outside praying. It says there in verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. <laughs> I find that funny. You know, here he is serving in the temple, and when God shows up with a special message for him, he's surprised. <laughs> I wonder if any of us. We spend week after week in church and we're worshiping and uh, praying to him. And I wonder if any of us would ever be startled and even afraid if God said, guess what, I've got an answer for your prayer. Zachariah, he's startled and he's gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, don't be afraid. You can have a pretty good idea that this is of God, when you hear those words, because they're repeated over and over again. When God says, don't be afraid, you can probably trust him because he's spoken those words over and over again to his people throughout uh, the ages. He says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Before Zechariah, Received the answer to his prayer in the birth of his son, John, God heard his prayer, and now God is answering his prayer by letting him know ahead of time that it was God's plan and purpose to give them the son that they'd been praying for. Now, Zachariah and Elizabeth were kind of old. Beyond the age where they thought that that God would be able to answer their prayer the way they had thought God should have answered. I'm sure years before they had all sorts of great ideas about how God was going to answer their prayer for a child. But now, that prayer being answered the way they thought it would be answered wasn't going to work out. It would take God's intervention. It would take a miracle for them to have a child. And you know what? Zachariah couldn't believe God's answer. He really couldn't believe God's answer. And I wonder if for many of us that we struggle with believing God's answer to our prayers. Do we believe that God will come to us and speak to us The answer to our prayers. I know in in my own prayer life, since I was a young person, I've really found myself changing my my thoughts about what, what prayer is all about. When I grew up, I basically thought that prayer ended when I said, in Jesus' name, Amen. My prayer was done. What I've learned is that prayer is more than my talking to God and God listening. Prayer is my also taking time to listen for God, to listen for his answers to my prayer. And if we're going to to let Jesus be our wonderful counselor, if we're going to let him bring the the wisdom that only he can bring into the complexities and problems of our life, we need to to have that, that confidence that God will answer our prayer. So when you bring a need to to God, when you share a problem in your life, and you ask God to do what God alone can do concerning that problem or that need, do we listen? Do we then, having brought our prayers to God, do we actually then begin to expect God to say something about our problem, about our need, in his word? Because oftentimes this is exactly where God is going to. But you need to be into. If you want to hear the answers to God uh, of God to your prayers, then you need to be in His Word. That is where God promises to guide and lead us into all truth through the power of His Holy Spirit. Do we take the time to let God counsel us and guide us? and lead us through his word? Do we take the time to listen to that still small voice of God that still speaks to his children? You see, God does do that. He does want to come and he wants to to whisper into our spirit those answers and give us the guidance and the direction about what he's about to do in our life but why don't we listen oh I think sometimes we just get too busy to listen we do that with each other don't we we get too busy to listen and I think we even do some more so with God we get so busy that we don't take time to listen to God I know I've done that I think the other thing that sometimes gets in the way of of our listening to God is that we have predetermined how God has to answer our prayer. We're not looking for God's answer. We're looking for God to answer our prayer the way we thought God should answer. There's a story that I've shared a number of times, but it's, I think, so helpful for us to understand that nature of us when we pray to God And think that he has to answer it our way. There's a story about a man who who lived by a river. And the river was flooding. And as the river waters were rising, he said, Lord, please save me from this flood. And in his mind, he had it that the way that God would answer that prayer was by making the river waters recede. So a land rover came by and they said, we're rescuing people from the coming flood. Do you want to ride? The man said, no, I prayed to God. He's going to save me from the flood. Great confidence. A little while later, the river waters are coming a little higher and a boat comes by his house and the people from the boat yell into him, hey, we're rescuing people from the flood. Do you want to ride in the boat? Not with quite as much confidence, he said this time, Uh, I I prayed to God that he's going to rescue me from the flood. No, thank you. Finally, he's on the roof of his house. And a helicopter comes by. And they see him on the top of his house. And they say, we're rescuing people who are caught in the flood. Do you want us to lower down a rope for you and take you to safety? Uh, No, I have prayed to God that that he will rescue me from the flood. so, So no, thank you. Well, the floodwaters keep on rising and he drowns. By God's grace, he goes to heaven. And he's looking, and God's showing him around and, uh, you know, everything, and it's really good up there. And uh, God says, well, you know, I always like to have an opportunity. Got any questions you'd like to ask me at this time? And the man says, yeah, I do have one question that's really bothering me. I, I was there in the flood and, and I was praying to you that you would rescue me from the, the flood, that you would make the flood waters recede. Why didn't you answer my prayer, God? He says, I sent you a land rover, I sent you a boat, I sent you a helicopter. What do you mean I didn't answer your prayer? Now we can, we can laugh at him for his, maybe his foolishness, but I wonder if we don't get caught in the same thinking that God like with Zechariah, he had a bigger plan and purpose at work here. The right time for John the Baptist to be born was not 40 or 50 years earlier. The right time for John the Baptist to be born was right before Jesus' birth, so that he could prepare the way for Jesus. And so God didn't answer his prayer in the way Zechariah had thought he should answer it. God answered it in the way that was best To work out God's plan of salvation for the world. To work out things that were really truly best for Zachariah and Elizabeth. To work out all things together for good to those that love him. God answered their prayer according to God's plan and purpose. Do we allow God to answer our prayers according to his plan and purpose? Today, I I want to challenge you to ask God to answer your prayers. To to take whatever it is that you're struggling with most in your life, what it is that that you feel you need an an answer to, to to move forward uh, in your life. And I want you to take that time to hear what Jesus would say to you. When I think of uh, Jesus as the wonderful counselor, I can't help but think of that time when Phyllis and I were down in Haiti. We were there on a medical mission trip with some other people from our church. And we'd been down there in the weekend. I remember on uh, Tuesday, towards uh, the end of the day, that one of the doctors who had been there, he came to me and said, I've asked a, a young woman to come uh, back here on Thursday. She's clinically depressed, and I think she should talk to you. I'm saying oh boy, someone's clinically depressed and you think that my meeting with her one time is gonna make a difference? Whoa, this is gonna be heavy. I may be a good counselor but I'm not a wonderful counselor. So anyway, uh, we were uh, Thursday doing our, our thing with the, the, the clinic and, and we, I was helping out with the, the prayer team that was meeting with people and the lady, didn't show up all day long. I said, oh man, I wonder uh, what happened. You know, when someone's clinically depressed, it's hard to kind of get motivated. So, you know, boy, that's a tough one. Part of me was kind of relieved, to be honest. Anyway, on Friday, I'm working with the team that's doing some construction on, on the medical clinic. And it's in Haiti in July, let me tell you, it's warm. Even in the, you wake up in the morning And it's 95 degrees and 85% humidity. But anyway, we're working there, and basically my job was to pass buckets of cement to the next guy. And we're doing this. So I'm dripping in cement, I'm dripping in sweat. And about, I think it was about 11 o'clock in the morning, one of the people from the orphanage came to me and says, you know, that, that woman who was depressed, she's here to see you, Pastor John. So here I am covered with drips of cement, covered with sweat, and I said, okay, found a, a, uh, a translator to meet with, and we got uh, out towards the front of the, uh, the orphanage where we had a little, uh, kind of somewhat space of uh, privacy, and began talking with her. And she, you could just see she, her face was, was no expression of, of life hardly at all. You could almost by looking, you yep, she's clinically depressed. And then I began you know, asking her what was going on in her life. She had been a person who grew up, grew up out in the country and had come into Port-au-Prince and it was married there. And she had just uh, had a, a, a child within the last year. And a few months before, her husband died. And if you know anything about the situation there in Port-au-Prince, a widow with a young child, having no means of support. She had every reason in my mind, you know, my intelligent mind, to be clinically depressed. If I were here in her situation, I think I would have been clinically depressed. I'm listening, and I'm trying to to think, what what am I gonna say to her? I've maybe got another 20 minutes or so that I can spend with her, that day and what what could I do and then I think God in his own way he prompted me through this next part of this because I I certainly don't want to take credit for it. I asked her do you believe in Jesus and she said yes she did that's good that's good I said do you believe that Jesus loves you and she said yes yes I do I said, okay, that's good. You know, if you didn't believe in Jesus, didn't believe Jesus loved her, I don't know what I was going to (laughs) do. At this point, she's answering the questions the way I was hoping she would. And so I I asked her, I said, would you please close your eyes and and picture Jesus in your mind? And she closed her eyes and after, she says, what does Jesus look like? And she said, Jesus is smiling that's good, that's good. Jesus is smiling. You know, if Jesus had a skull on his face and that, I didn't know where I was going to go, but Jesus was smiling. And so then I said to her, I want you to go up to Jesus and ask him what he has to say to you. And left it at that. And she was silent for a little bit. She looked up and I said, well, what did Jesus say? And I remember as there began, it wasn't exactly a smile, but it was the start of a look of life within her face. She said, Jesus said, his family is wrong. You do have a future. At that point, I said, yay, Jesus, you are the wonderful counselor. I could not have come up with anything better than that. Now, I don't know exactly what her future held, but Jesus did. And I do know that the God is, was assuring her that no matter how bad things were, that she could count on Jesus having a future for her. Jesus wants to be your wonderful counselor too. And so, again, my challenge to you is, will you let him? Will you begin unwrapping the gift of Jesus today? You don't have to wait to Christmas. Will you begin unwrapping that gift today and let him be your wonderful counselor? Bring to him whatever it is that you're burdened with. Bring to him whatever it is that you know you don't have the answer for. Bring it to him. And listen. Listen to his word. Listen to To his still small voice. For he still is. The child who was born unto us. To be our wonderful counselor. He was born to be the one. Who would bring wisdom. And truth. And life. And grace into our life. Make this the best Christmas ever. Receive the gift of Jesus. And all that he would give you. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.